Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 1 through 6 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can open up to page 1328 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. 1328 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Uh, as you're opening up there, I want to mention next Sunday you're in for a treat. Our director of missions, I think the, the Southern Baptist Convention has changed the name to Associational uh, Mission Strategist. Dr. Craig Carlisle will be preaching here at First Baptist Church next Sunday to kick off Reach Week. My wife Whitney and our family will be at Sunnyside Baptist Church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky next Sunday. It's the church I served before I came here. And uh, no, y'all have not chosen to send me back, and, and just y'all can have him. Uh, we are going back for me to preach homecoming there at Sunnyside Baptist Church. And those are precious saints and dear to us, and uh, we don't get to see them as much as we would like. We, we love them very much, love it here, and love them, and it's good to, be, to know that one day we'll all reunite in heaven, get to see them all the time, and, and all of y'all all the time too, and uh, look forward to that. But until then, you know. Uh, we're going to go back and, and celebrate homecoming with them. So we'll be there next weekend as we kick off Reach Week. But what a great treat and pleasure it'll be to have Craig preach for us uh, next Sunday. Well, if you have your Bibles open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ. Delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together in your name and by the blood of your Son and in the presence of your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray even now that you would move in our hearts so that we might hear your word. And God, we pray we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the hardest things um, that I've had to deal with in the last 10 years of my life, uh, or so, 15 maybe, is uh, trying to figure my identity out. Try, try, trying to figure out exactly where I get my 
identity from. Now, some of y'all might have had this handled for decades, and some people struggle with it for their whole lives, but, but where is it that I get my deepest sense of meaning and satisfaction? Life? What is my identity? Who am I? And who defines and what defines who I am? And so, over the years, I've had the I'm pretty good at this rug pulled out from under me more times than I can count. The, the I think I'm a pretty good husband rug has been pulled out from me more than once. It's never my sweet wife who does it, but I just recognize it somewhere along the way. You, before you get married, you're like, I've read Ephesians 5, 10, or 15 times. I think I'll be fine, you know? And uh, little do you know that you've got a lot of character flaws that you didn't know about. And then I said, you know, there's nothing quite like having a child that brings sanctification in your life. And then I had two kids. And you realize, no, that brings even... And then you have three kids. You're like, man, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I had children. And then, you know, you deal with the, I'm a pretty good pastor thing. And then sometimes you feel like, man, I'm, so, I'm, I'm getting this down pat. I can do this with my eyes closed. And you close your eyes and then you charge the stage and pray at the wrong time on a Sunday morning. Nathan's going to come start the invitation after my second point this morning. <laughs> and, I deserve, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I'll deserve it. Now, you, you, over time, you recognize that you, you start to feel sufficient, right? You start, you start to feel like, I'm pretty good at this. And then there's a tendency, sometimes this rug gets pulled out from under you. Or, or perhaps you've been just hurt by someone you love and trust. Perhaps you've been rejected. You've had the rug, so to speak, pulled out from under you. I, ha I had this thought just as we've been preaching through 2 Corinthians, and I shared it on social media. You might have already seen it. But I, I had this thought um, earlier in the week where I thought, you know, when I was in college and seminary, when I was dreaming about being a pastor one day, and when you're dreaming about whatever it is you do, you almost always think about how God will use your gifts. Right? I'm pretty good at this. I can't wait to see how God uses what I'm good at. And, and certainly God can and does do that. But you know what I never dreamed about and never thought about was how God would use my weaknesses for His glory. And yet in hindsight, yet in hindsight I look back and the places where I've been weakest, in the moments where I realize that my greatest gifts weren't good enough, when I've been weak, that's when God has demonstrated His glory in the clearest ways in my life, and in my ministry. You see, when you're weak, it shifts where you find your identity. It, it shifts. All, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground, the, the, the hymn says, is sinking sand. And sometimes we stand on sand long enough, we start to think it's pretty sturdy, but we recognize anything but Christ can shift. You see, if we live for any good thing, if we find our identity, even if it's in a good thing, if we find our identity somewhere besides Christ, if we let anyone but God be our reference, be our letter of reference, if we let anything but God commend us in our own hearts or before man, then we are on the verge, we are heading quickly toward a crisis in our lives. 
You see, what I want you to think about and consider this morning is when God writes your reference letter. How is it then that we could make sure and be sure of the fact that it is God and God alone who commends us, that it is on Christ and Christ alone, the very solid rock that we stand? How is it that when the rug is pulled out, when we are insufficient, when we are weak, will we trust Christ in those moments? That's what I want you to think about this morning, and I want to show you three points to that end. Th- th- three points to help you consider whether or not, and to help you grow nearer to standing on Christ and Christ alone. Here's the first point this morning. Focus Focus on God's commendation. Focus on God's commendation. Are we beginning, Paul asks in verse 1, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? There was certainly in Paul's day a positive practice. One, we learn in 1 Corinthians that Paul practiced, and and we see this in Acts as well. There there was a practice at some level of there being letters of recommendation sent along with those who are doing ministry. We we have a similar practice today, basically. That's essentially what ordination ought to be. The First Baptist Church of Gadsden, when we ordain someone into gospel ministry, what we're saying is we endorse the calling of God on this person's life. And, and so we ought to, to recognize that and, and own that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It appears, though, that the Corinthian church was, or some in Corinth at least, they were criticizing Paul for not providing those sort of letters for himself. Which is fascinating to think about because it seems as if, from the biblical text, that Paul founded, essentially, the church at Corinth. That he was the, quote, spiritual father of these Corinthians. And so for them to be criticizing him about not having letters of recommendation seems to be a sort of ridiculous practice. Once again, I I think this is part and parcel of the spiritual issue that's going on at Corinth where there there seems to be some sort of an uprising happening there. Uh, 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 An intense criticism of Paul led by disgruntled folks in the church at Corinth and outsiders that Paul later in this letter calls super apostles. These folks that are coming in saying, oh, you don't need to listen to Paul. Paul's weak and Paul suffers. And oh, by the way, has Paul even given you a letter of reference? I got it in the mail from Peter Popoff or whatever, you know. And, and so they're trying to make sure that, 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 that Paul is not listening to him. They're throwing any sort of criticism they can at him. And, and, and Paul is sort of, I would argue, kind of gobsmacked over this. Just, what are you talking about? Letters of references. The, the way Paul's being treated by people he knows and people he loves is nothing less than humiliating. It, it's nothing less than humiliating. You know, it'd be like after seven years of me preaching here, somebody caught me in the hall. And said, what are, you, what are you doing carrying that Bible and wearing a coat and tie today? Do you think you're going to preach? I say, yeah, I mean, you know, I've been the pastor for seven years. I, I preach here basically every week. And they say, well, what gives you the right and authority to preach in this church? What, where are your credentials for preaching in this church? And I say, 
guys, I've been here for seven years. Where have you been? You know, I've, I've been preaching here for seven years. It's, it's that sort of level of insult when all of a sudden it's asking for some sort of rudimentary thing that, that they didn't need to know Paul and to trust his ministry. They're humiliating the man. Let me ask you this question. Where are you getting your commendation? What is commending you? What is verifying who you are and and what you've done in your own heart and the lives of others? You see what Paul says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation, verse 2. Written on our hearts to be known and read by all. What is commending you? What is your, so to speak, reference letter? You see, it's very easy, I think, to become dependent on what other people have to say about us. I'll, I'll confess to you this morning, um, I do not like at all a few things. Here's one. I do not like to not be liked. I don't like it at all. I've, I've met folks, and I think they thrive on it. I, they must, you know. <laughs> you ever met somebody, you think they really enjoy not being liked. It's clear to me that that's the case. Now, I don't like it one bit. Um, I like to have lots of friends. In fact, Whitney laughs at me all the time. She says one of my favorite phrases is, I got a buddy. You know, I got a buddy that does this or a buddy that does that. I know this guy that does this or I know this person that does that. And, and so I love to be liked. And another thing I do not like is to be unsuccessful. It's just me confessing to you today. I do not like either of those things. And so if I were to just sit down and say, find a profession. Find a profession that's going to make you sometimes feel very unliked and very unsuccessful. Then the worst one I could have, or the best one, I guess, for those two things I could have chosen was to go into ministry. And so I've had to go through the process of detoxing from my addiction to those things. And here Paul is demonstrating the sort of spiritual maturity that it takes to demonstrate that you are dependent on God and God alone for your commendation. That you're not worried about whether or not you are liked primarily. And you are not worried about whether or not you are successful primarily, but you are primarily worried about and concerned about where you are and where you stand before the living God. You see, you you may have a different set of things. Your reputation, your job performance, your skills, but maybe you're like some people and you're totally dependent on what members of the opposite sex say about you. You're obsessed with your own attractiveness. It's possible to be married and still like that. Worried about how other people feel about the way you look. Or, or, or perhaps you're worried about some set of skills that you've had in your life. It, for me, a lot of times, it's, am I being a good parent? Did my ki- are my kids looking the way I want my kids to look? Isn't that a, isn't that a sad way to make your kids live? <laughs> they feel this pressure about looking the way you want them to look, as if there's some extension of your own your own personality or your, the way you look in front of others, but we, we tend to treat others like that all the time. Even our own children, people we love most. What is commending you? 
You see, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ frees us up like Paul to be commended by God and by God alone. What, is, what, is, what does Paul say? He says, you are a letter. You are our recommendation letter. And who wrote it? Christ wrote it. He tells us in verse 3. The gospel frees us to be commended by God and God alone. Our Lord said in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. In other words, I, I want you to know this this morning. It, even if you're in a difficult season of criticism, it, even if you're in a, in a difficult season of conflict, perhaps in your own home or with your extended family, even if you're in a season where you've been let down by someone you trust and love, if you've had one of those rugs that we've talked about pulled out from under you, if you've been turned down, if you've been rejected, the gospel frees you up to be commended by God and God alone. In other words, you must turn and you must look to God to see exactly what God says about you in Christ. You must be commended by Christ and Christ alone. It frees you up. It, 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 it frees you completely from, from being a servant to how you feel, to, be a, to being a servant to what other people think. It frees you to be commended by God and God alone. Focus on God's commendation. But second of all, trust God's work when you're weak. Tr trust God's work when you are weak. I can remember my first full-time job in ministry was I was a college pastor. So I was, I was set aside to lead and disciple and kind of shepherd the college ministry at the church uh, we served down in Mobile, Dolphin Way Baptist Church. And I can remember we had a Wednesday night service at, you know, 8, eight or 8.30, something like that. And Because uh, that's, you know, college students like to prove how cool they are by going later to things. You know, now it's like something starts at 8. You know, and we're like, my goodness, what in the world would you want to start something at 8 o'clock for? You know, but when you're in college, when you're a college pastor, you know, that's, that's when you have to do things. So I, that's what I did there. And I can remember how obsessed I was about being successful. It's my first full-time ministry job. I'd been an intern at this church, and I just wanted to do a good job. I wanted the ministry to grow. I, I wanted to see bunches of college students come. I, I wanted to have a great ministry there. And I can remember on Wednesday nights, the students were coming in, greeting them and looking at them, and I can remember sort of doing this, kind of around the door, kind of looking out checking my watch or, you know, looking at my phone and then kind of walking out and just seeing maybe there's a bunch of them standing out there talking right now, you know. <laughs> I just remember wondering, like, I hope some more come. And, and it was never, like, just empty, you know. You just always wanted it to be more. It's never enough. It's, you're never satisfied with the, the, where things are. And, and I can remember during those days and months, that year, I can remember wondering, God, are you doing anything right now? You know, Lord, are you at work at all? Right, Whitney, isn't that true? I mean, she heard me whining about it at night, you know. 
and uh, she married me, and then we started doing this ministry, and I know she had to think, my goodness, what a fickle little guy I've married here. He's so worried about whether or not there's 40 or 45 college students here on a, on a you know, that's, that's going to, five college students is like the make or break for his attitude today, but it is where I was. Little did I know during that time how, what God was doing. Since then, and through no account of our ministry, I took over that ministry. It was already, a lot of these folks were already in it. Um, But here's the reality. During that time, God was raising up people to impact the world for Christ. At least, we counted up the other day, at least 25 people from that college ministry are in ministry of some sort now. But then, you know, it felt like, man, these, they don't care about Jesus. They don't care about anything. They don't want to be here. You know, it felt like you're, you're spinning your wheels. But God was at work. And it, it's hard to trust God's work. We can't always see what God is doing. And my guess is that, maybe not as hard as it was for me in my spiritual immaturity but at that time, but my guess is at this point it has to be difficult for Paul to trust God's work during this time. And, and it's got to be difficult for Paul to trust his own work and his own worth as an apostle during this time. First of all, it's being directly questioned. His, his worth as an apostle, his legitimacy as an apostle is being directly questioned. And here he has the very people whom he had led to Christ, a very church which he had started that is humiliating him in the work that he did there. And if you think about the sordid details of sin that we learn about in 1 Corinthians, and now this revolt against Paul, and the trouble he has in his heart over this, if I were Paul, I would be wondering about whether or not God was really at work there or not. But that, that was not Paul's heart. <laughs> Thankfully, the Apostle Paul's godlier than I am. What does he say? And you show... He says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And then in verse 3, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Paul, even in these very difficult circumstances, even when his legitimacy as an apostle is being questioned, even when he is struggling with his relationship with these whom he loved so much, whom he says it's his letter of reference written by Christ and whom they themselves delivered as they led them to Christ. God, Paul is not questioning God's work. He is celebrating God's work. He's reminding the Corinthian believers that God is at work in them and through them. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know something right now. Just because you're weak and just because things are difficult, just because you're in some sort of a, sort of a trial, just because you can't see. You know, it, sometimes it's hard to see fruit in the moment, just because you can't see it, does not mean God is not at work. And when we're weak, when we're struggling, I I talked last week a little bit about how you just, sometimes as a pastor, and and I know this, just my wife works outside our home, and so she's not a pastor, she's out in the 
the, the corporate world working, so to speak. And uh, we, we recognize from both sides of things, sometimes it just doesn't feel like you're doing a great job. So sometimes it feels like nothing you do is right. And, and we've, we've felt that way, and I've, I've felt that way. And I've felt weak, and I've felt in moments where whatever it is I'm doing is useless to God. But what does Paul say? In this darkest moment, it's one of these most difficult moments here with the Corinthians. You know, and furthermore, you know, Paul's at a place where he, he's just said, hey, the door was open for gospel work at Troas, and he, he got it open the door for gospel ministry. He couldn't do it. And so, you know, he's got to just feel like I can't even, I can't even keep the folks that I've already reached going, much less then I'm doing all this work here with the Corinthians. I can't even advance the gospel in Troas. It, it has to be difficult. It has to be frustrating. That doesn't mean that God is not at work. In fact, oftentimes, I would argue God is at work the most in those difficult circumstances. In those moments when you feel weakest. In, in those moments where you're struggling the hardest. Isn't it just like a God who loves grace? And isn't it just like a God who loves to display His glory? Isn't it just like God who wants to demonstrate His power made perfect through weakness? Isn't it just like God to be working the most, the most triumphantly and the most wonderfully in our weakest and most difficult moments? Trust God's work when you're weak. And finally, depend on God. Depend on God when you are insufficient. Depend on God when you are insufficient. Read with me. We're going to back up into verse 4 again. Verse 4 down into 6. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency, our sufficiency is from God, who, made a, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul asks the poignant question in chapter 2, verse 16. Who is sufficient for these things? And here in chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, Paul gives the answer. Nobody is except that they be sufficient through God. Let me ask you, some questions and 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 see if you can really investigate your own heart this morning about this where is your confidence placed where is where are you placing your confidence where is your trust is it in yourself or is it in god let me ask you this question. Do you feel sufficient all the time? Some of you do and some of you don't. <laughs> some of you feel too sufficient all the time. And perhaps it's, perhaps it's because you're, you're doing nothing that requires God's help. 
except that everything requires God's help. But in your mind, you may feel like it, it, you're doing things all on your own power. Let me tell you this, folks. The most blessed thing that could happen to you is for you to have your confidence in your flesh stripped away. You desperately need to feel insufficient. A couple of years in, somewhere along the way, into being your pastor here at First Baptist, I looked at Whitney one time and I said, the most prideful thought that I've ever had in my life was the thought that I could be the pastor of this church. The most, I said to her, the most prideful thought I ever had in my life was the thought that I could be the pastor of this church. I did not see that as a positive thing at the time. I'll just confess to you. I did not see that as a positive thing at the time. But looking back on it, I see the way God was at work in my heart and my life during that time, during, during this time, during my time as pastor at Sunnyside, where we'll go next week, during my time as a college pastor, and, and then even more here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden, little did I know that in those moments and in those days, when I was looking out the door wondering if more people were going to come, when I was at, at Sunnyside Baptist Church, and Whitney and I were living in the parsonage, and I was pastoring as the pastor, the guy who led and shepherded and preached the congregation for the first time as the senior pastor, so to speak. And, and here at First Baptist Church Gadsden, as we've taken on the task of loving and serving this great church, little did I know in that moment and in those days that God was stripping away my confidence in my flesh. God was stripping away my self-sufficiency. That God was demonstrating to me, Matt, at your best. You, you come in as a pastor of a church, you've got a game plan, you've got a plan, you've got a way you're going to do things, and you think, this is going to be great. This is going to work. It's going to work, period. And you like to be successful, and you like to be liked, and it's really easy, really quickly, to have all that laid bare, no matter what church you pastor. And for God to jerk those rugs out from under me was the best thing that's ever happened to my heart. Brothers and sisters, trust God and depend on God when you are insufficient and when God is teaching you that you're insufficient for the task He's assigned to you. Don't question whether He's there with you. and Instead, celebrate what He's doing in your heart and your life. For we recognize God's work must get done. Should we have no confidence? Who, Paul asks, who is sufficient for these things? You see, as our pride and our self-sufficiency and our self-dependence get stripped away, we're not left just merely to be there in sackcloth and ashes saying, woe is me. No, no, no. We have a confidence and we have a sufficiency. It just doesn't come from us. It is supplied for us by God through Christ. Do you see what Paul is saying? He is saying our confidence our confidence is through Christ toward God. We are not sufficient in ourselves, verse 5, to claim anything as coming from us, but what? Our sufficiency is from God, and He has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, in other words, not of the law that tells us God's will but doesn't give us the power to obey, but instead of the Spirit. 
For the letter kills. Knowing what God wants you to do does not give you life. It's not easy to obey. But the Spirit gives life because the Spirit indwells us and empowers us to walk in step with Him so that we can obey God. He turns our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He empowers us to live out the letter in our hearts. He wrote the law on our hearts. No, we have confidence. We have sufficiency. It's just not from us. It's from God. It's from the Spirit who gives life. You see, you are insufficient in and of yourself for what God has called you to do, but He is sufficient. And that is the beauty of the gospel, is that God supplies for us the sufficiency we need. Sweet saint, are you at the end of your rope? Are you out of confidence? Are you recognizing your insufficiency, look to Jesus Christ. Because no matter what can be said about you, He has said that which is most important. Because the cross tells you the worst possible thing about yourself and the best possible thing about yourself. That you're a desperate sinner. You're a desperate sinner who is worthy of the wrath of God. The worst possible thing that could be true of you is true. And it's already been declared at the cross. And the best possible thing that can be true of you is true of you. And is that you're loved of God. And that His grace has been given to you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it's already been said about you at the cross. Look to God who provides all the strength and all the sufficiency that you could ever need. Look to the Spirit who empowers you to live out what you need to live out. Who cares what man thinks? Who cares what you are saying about yourself? Who cares about your insufficiency? Who cares about your difficulties in those situations? Be strengthened. Be revived. Look to God. Look to Christ. Because God has written your reference letter. I want to offer an invitation to you this morning. If you've never put your trust and your faith in Jesus before, this altar is open to you today. I'm here for you today. I believe with all my heart if you would turn from your sins and repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And second of all, Second of all, you may be a believer and you may say, Pastor, I, I am at the end of my rope and I want, I want to grab Christ <laughs> and, and I need some time to pray. This altar is open for you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his grace that's been given to us. We thank you for his blood that was shed for us. And God, we pray even now that we would believe what you have to say about us through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.